0: Hey everyone, today's episode of Strictly Hoop Talk is with a new guest, a first-time guest, my man Jeff of the Full Sports Press Podcast, which is, of course, from the same family as On Deck TV Podcast. It's all part of Realville. Um, They do a great job supporting me, and I love to support them. And uh, Jeff's been somebody I've been dying to talk hoops with. Now for this podcast, we break down the James Harden trade rumors, the latest on where he could be going, what what to expect from that, the whole idea of player empowerment, which has gotten a lot of people talking over the last week. And also we break down, of course, the Russell Westbrook trade that happened as part of this. And we break down the lower East playoff race, looking at particularly those seventh and eighth seeds and kind of seeing what what's going to happen, you know, uh, what teams are what teams do we expect to say stay safe for the playoffs and, and expect to be in the playoffs? And who are some teams that maybe a lot of people are looking at as penciled in, but could honestly fall out. So we kind of get into the East, uh, specifically the lower part of the East playoff race. And this has been a fun podcast. This was a really fun podcast. I'm glad I had him on. I just want to do some quick housekeeping before I get to it. I'm not going to be too long here. First things first, follow me on social media, Instagram and Twitter at RealChrisPlatte. C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I know you know how to spell real. That is the best way to stay up to date with all of the content. Um, I'm going to make my announcements quick. So I'm working on a hip-hop podcast that will be coming. I will be doing end-of-the-year hip-hop podcast. I'll, I'll be doing it very differently, including a first-time guest and a long-time friend of the podcast. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, I will be doing some NBA podcasts, obviously, with the NBA season starting around the corner. I'm going to crank out. I'm not doing the normal division previews because of the short window that we have. I'm just gonna be kind of getting people on and talking about different parts. I'm gonna to try to cover as much of the league as possible before we get to the, the start of the season, which is now God, pretty much only a week away, a week and a half away. So um I'm gonna be I'm gonna be having people on to break down a lot of NBA podcast stuff, but but there will be some end of the year hip-hop stuff. I got some special stuff coming there. Again, I got some awesome awesome new stuff that's going to be totally different than anything i've ever really done Um, but i want to keep that under wraps until i can give you guys a specific date on when to expect that but again stay tuned to instagram and twitter for the latest updates on that without further ado i will toss it to the podcast and let's get this one going everybody so this is jeff of the full sports press podcast joining me to talk james Harden trade rumors russell westbrook trade and the lower east playoff race let's go Welcome back to Stricker Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty, and returning to the podcast—actually, not returning to the podcast. <laughs> it feels like it feels like it because I've known this guy for so long. But first time yeah. on the podcast is my man Jeff of the Full Sports Press Podcast. Jeff, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for having me. Good, man. I'm I'm glad to have you, and it really does feel like you know when when we were talking about doing this podcast. It really did hit me in that moment that, damn, we we really haven't done one yet. Right.
1: <laughs> well, I was like, I was, I always listened, you know, I was listening to your show, and I was like, yeah. everybody's been on here but me, but it's cool. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what you got to just send me the, the, the passive aggressive jab, you know, like, hey, you know, like, what's this going to happen? Because I, I just, I get so, you know what it is, is I get like, when I, when I get in my zone of working, I get to, I get to, uh, I get too comfortable with the people with the people that I work with, so then it's like that's like I need that I need that new switch up every now and again to 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 keep things fresh here on the podcast. But but <laughs> I can I, I can roll with like while I'm talking to Spike, I could do like three podcasts in a row with Spike, and then I'll be like, damn, well I did three podcasts in a row with Spike. I really don't want him on the podcast again. Let's talk to him. and then I'll be like, okay, well who's the other guy I talked to? Uh, Animal Brown. Let's get Animal yeah. Brown. It's like right. you know what I mean, but. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited, man, and uh, we were talking about it off air. You know, you're joining the fantasy league this year, so that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun experience. Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I like it. The, the group chat's already a little spicy. Oh it's yeah, that's my, it's my type of place. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I got no, no complaints.
0: Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's gonna get spicy, especially especially once the season starts. And I tried to get I tried to get Spike uh, Spike and them extra in the league too, and they were just both like they were just both like nah. I'm not trying to get cleaned, and I was like, that's probably that's probably a good call, but I would love yeah. to have them in the in the trash talking that goes on in our group chat. But we're here we're here to talk NBA right now. So we are leading up to season preseason is starting this weekend, which is just absolutely nuts. So right. we're breaking down the James Harden trade uh, trade rumors. That is the Westbrook trade that happened, and the yeah. Lower East playoff race. So we'll start with James Harden here. Um, he's opened up to more destinations. He's opened up from just Brooklyn and Philly to also Miami and milwaukee hmm. um he he's just basically saying any team that's a contender I'm interested in going to and you know that that's an interesting that's an interesting move. obviously, this comes a week after or what what was a week of him not reporting to training camp and yeah. you know and doing some maybe. Some, <laughs> Maybe not necessarily the most uh, the most cautious COVID protocols in in today's day and age. But uh, first of all, where do you stand on the idea of the hardened trade talks? As far as like him opening up to more destinations, does this change things for you? Does this in in terms of in terms of thinking a deal is going to get done sooner rather than later? or is this just kind of uh or is this this Harden trade just going to happen when it happens because it feels inevitable right right now right i mean i guess we should start there does it feel like inevitable that James Harden is getting traded
1: i think now that he opened up to more destinations it's inevitable because now you're going to you're going to face having a new coach a new regime and your star player doesn't want to be there and he has the chance to take over their locker room in a way that the coach can't, right? Because mm-hmm. the last thing you want is John Wall and Boogie, Boogie Cousin not focused. That's the last <laughs> yeah. thing you want in your locker room. <laughs> so, you you know, you, with him opening up different destinations, it kind of feels inevitable. But before that, I thought he, he'd he have a chance because he didn't have any leverage because if they were going to trade him to, I think his original destination was Brooklyn, right? right. If they were going to trade him to Brooklyn, you would have to give up Kyrie or KD. And that just Throws off the whole game plan we yeah. had in the beginning, and that team on the floor with you know two di- dominant ball mm-hmm. handlers like Harden and Kyrie, that wasn't going to work. So yeah. <laughs> um, I look at it from that standpoint. Like they have to, Houston has to make this trade, especially now that he's open to more destinations again, because the locker room and because James Harden is one of those type of figures in the league that he can make this uncomfortable for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, he's he's, he's one of those players that's so damn good at what he does that yeah. you know, his reputation it, and we saw it with AD, right? Like your yeah. reputation might take a hit, but at the end of the day, if yeah. if Anthony Davis says he wants to be on your team or James Harden says he wants to be on your team, your team mm-hmm. is very excited. Yeah. You know, whether you get him or not is a whole another is a whole another story, but if he says yeah. he's interested in going to your team, that franchise is, is very excited, no matter yeah. how, no matter what the optics look like, but, uh, I, I found it interesting that he said Milwaukee, because, you know, him and Giannis kind of had that little, that little, that little tension back and forth last year about, you know, yeah. about who's the, who's the MVP of the team, so I don't know if Hardis, they could trade Giannis for me, which I doubt he <laughs> is, but, but, uh, but Milwaukee was one that I was just like, Damn! If only this happened like a month sooner, because everything's happened in such a short window this year with the with the condensed off season. But yeah. if this happened like a month before, like before they made that Drew Holiday trade, then I think uh, I think Milwaukee would potentially be in a better position to make uh, mm-hmm. to to meet a hardened trade demand because no matter no matter what he does at the end of the day, we saw it with Anthony Davis. It was a one it was a one team bidding war, and they were still able to offer. More than anything, Milwaukee could offer to get James Harden. So I think, unfortunately, the idea of Harden and Giannis is interesting, but I don't, I don't see that one happening just because yeah. I don't think Milwaukee has the assets to get it done. Um, you know, Miami yeah. is interesting. Miami's always gonna make their moves. They have their young players, and I saw yeah. a poll that I saw a poll that made me laugh. It was like a, it, it was a, it was really a GIF because it was, um, or a meme because it was breaking down. It was breaking down, you know, Heat fans, and it said, "It said <laughs> Heat fans are like, are like, you know, we're getting Harden, we're getting Harden, but then it showed a, but then it showed like really what Heat fans think." And there was a poll that said, "Would you trade Tyler Hero for James Harden?" And they said, <laughs> "And they said no." And it's just like, it's just like at some point you're overvaluing the guy you have, but yeah, uh, but we of all the, do of the of the situation of course there's Philly but who knows if Philly's going to actually put Ben Simmons on the table I don't think they are right now so right. if 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 Houston gets that trade going if they want to get this done now like as soon as the season starts before the season starts something like that I think Philly's an unlikely destination but uh where where I guess is your is your head at now because you do think with me that he is going to get traded at some point, do you think it's it's before the season starts? Do you think it's during the season at the deadline? Do you think it's he finishes this year in Houston? And where do you think he's going right now, like just off of a guess?
1: So my thing is, kind of go back to what you said a second ago with Milwaukee, the Drew Holiday thing. Mm-hmm. They gave up way too much for Drew Holiday, yeah. number one. <laughs> That's dope. They definitely did. overpaid for him. And this would be the type of situation that would keep you know, could keep Giannis in Milwaukee if you could get a James Harden. Yeah. Um. So that helped. That would have helped. But to kind of answer your questions, like I look at it from a standpoint of, I believe he's going to have to start the season. It's a week away, unless uh, yeah. someone comes up with a package out of nowhere of every pick they have on the books. You know, something like that. Um. A, a team like Boston with those assets they have, maybe you know, or or OKC, but other teams don't have a general manager that's willing and dealing like those people. So I think Houston's gonna to have to take a hit on this. Like and just do a full rebuild around John Wall, around hopefully what's left of Boogie Cousins after this year, and just do a full Flush out the team and do a rebuild because you already traded Rob Covington, which one of my favorite players in the league. You have already traded Westbrook, yeah. which is my favorite player in the league. So I think you know that's noted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we'll get yeah. to Westbrook.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> you trade Westbrook and then now you have Harden. Left. I think I think at this point you realize because you get that one from Washington for in the Westbrook deal, you get what you can for Harden because a player of his magnitude, a former MVP, it's going to be hard to get the value back for him. I mean. The Pelicans gave up so much, but they were in such a good space because they had that number that that good lottery pick coming up in that draft. And were hoping, and they lucked out and got Zion. So you those three or four years where you don't have picks, you have you have a marquee player to build around anyway. So it's not really going to hurt you as bad. And so you look at that, the the Lakers are just fortunate. Everybody's not going to not going to break that way. So he's just going to have to take a deal, and unless it's Ben Simmons. Or Philadelphia because they don't have many picks left either. I was looking into that. I think it's Philly. I think it's Philly with the Ben Simmons option. But Philly also has a way to do it without giving up Ben Simmons, and that would be the move. That would be yeah. the
0: move. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the avenue that they're trying to explore right now, right? Yeah. I think I think that from what I hear, you know, as much as Daryl Morey would like Harden again, um, you know, I he's also said publicly, and I think that this is true as of right now that he wants to give the Ben Simmons and beat fit another run. Mm -hmm. Like he wants to, he wants to kind of tinker with the roster, uh, flesh it out around, make it, make more basketball sense and not be this 1980 monsters squad and actually have spacing and all of the, the, the modern, the elements of modern basketball. So, but I do think that, uh, uh, eventually a Ben Simmons trade could happen if, if it doesn't work out this season, which is why which is why I think Philly would be a, a, a even more likely to land him next season that, than right now. And okay. one of the things that you brought up, which is interesting, is is just the fact that we are a week away from the season. I think that that works to Houston's advantage because Harden has for all the for all the talk about him. He has always been an Iron Man. He has always been somebody that tries to play every game. He loves getting his numbers. He loves doing his thing. He loves being in that VP conversation. So maybe the best thing for Houston is going to be the fact that the season is starting. And they're they're like, if we could just get to the start of the season where we know he'll play, maybe he'll just start to, you know, maybe he'll just be invested in doing his thing through the season. And that will allow us to kind of rebuild and repair the relationship if we want it. Because Houston still says right now that they want to keep him and you know also for Houston's for Houston's aspect of it from the business side of it it does seem like you want to wait until that Ben Simmons offer is potentially on the table because that just seems like the best uh the best asset you're getting back as of right now mm. but but again it's just it's going to be very interesting to see what what happens with with Harden here you know the idea of him the idea of him requesting a trade, even to to transition to the other part of it, is player empowerment, and mm. you know, it's it's interesting. I've heard I've heard people that you know are pro player, pro, uh, how do I say it? Pro <laughs> player movement. There we go, yeah. and which I which I subscribe to that idea, right. but people are saying that you know, there's people like Bill Simmons who are who are really it, he did like a thirty minute. He did like a thirty-minute, you know, podcast piece on on the, his fear of Harden demanding a trade and what that could mean for the league because because he's saying that you know this is a guy James Harden who spent eight years on his uh, on this on this Houston Rockets team and they gave him everything they catered to every demand he's chased three stars out of there he's chased Chris Paul or Dwyane Howard first then Chris Paul. Then, uh, then now Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. and he's saying that he's saying that you know this is gonna be basically the NBA is his a big analogy was it's a Tinder society now where you're gonna you you don't like your you don't like your destination you swipe right you go to somewhere new, okay. and you mm-hmm. know, I I understand I understand that because there hasn't been more movement than there's been now, and and these players are moving because of one the shorter contracts and two because. They just have more power in the, in leverage in the league than they do, and mm-hmm. we're seeing the Anthony Davis trades, and now we're seeing a, 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 a another potential situation like AD where Harden's kind of taking a franchise hostage. But <laughs> I I don't think that I I I don't think that you know it it's going to get much worse than this. I think I think it's being blown out of proportion a little bit. You still have Curry who's going to be a lifelong Golden Stater. You have Giannis who I think is for all intents and purposes trying to be a lifelong uh a, a lifelong Milwaukee Buck. <laughs> you know, AD AD he yes, he got traded from the Pelicans to the Lakers, but honestly, I would be shocked if AD it seems like AD wants his career to be the Lakers. So, I would be shocked if AD moves again. But I mean, who knows, who knows again, the, uh, everything changes on on a with w- w- with players, but I do think that I I I get what Bill Simmons is saying. His main argument was that essentially you uh, essentially we're not going to have these 2011 Dallas Mavericks titles anymore because nobody's going to stick around to the hardships. And and I'd say I'd say not everybody, mm. but there are still going to be a few people to do that and that's going to be enough and we've talked and we've talked about it before. The most, I'm sure it's with your podcast too. The, the most buzz you get on an NBA podcast is when, you know, yeah. Kawhi and Paul George team up or yeah. James Harden demands a trade, right? So it's like yeah. there there's a balance to it and I think that these pl- this player's movement is good for the league. It it keeps fans fresh and engaged and it but also at the same time I think there's enough of those good guys uh and I mean good as far as talent level. There's enough of those uh, of those elite players that are able to or that have a desire to kind of stay in one scenario. So I, I don't think that it's it's that big of a deal. Where are you at on the whole player empowerment um yeah, aspect of it?
1: I heard I heard Bill Simmons' uh take on that. Okay, so I'll 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 do this. To me, and you you know, you may not agree with me or not, but the NFL skews I'm sorry, the NBA skews younger, right? Yeah. A younger demographic. If you think about the younger, and just do a corporate America take on it, right? Corporate America. We don't have people working 20, 30 years for companies, getting pensions, you know, doing, getting the retirement parties and things like that. People are bouncing around from company to company, If they don't like it. You don't let me work from home in the pandemic or you don't let me do this. I'm going to another company, right? We hear about that all the time. I have friends that do it. I've done it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, the moment my the company that I worked for told me that they were downsizing and things like that, first thing I did, went home, hopped on Indeed, fixed my fixed my resume, I was ready to go. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. No, no crying. So I think what the NBA is doing is is showing what the world looks like, is people are now the employer, employee is not as empowered as it is over the employee. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. So if you look at it from that standpoint, did it this all makes sense? If I'm the number one draft pick, I'm the player of the franchise, you build around me, we win. Or when my contract is up, I'm gone. <laughs> right? right? That's it. You you know what you're dealing with, you know what you have to do. Yes, you they negotiated during the CBA to the collective bargaining agreement to get more money to where the team that drafted you can pay you more than anyone else. That's cool. But what we're noticing is there's an emphasis on winning. There's an emphasis on playing the way I want to now, starting in AAU, you know, playing with kids from across the country. Now you see them in college. You say, well, I want to play with them in the league. It's cool. But with the James Harden thing, I can see how this becomes a problem. He's under contract, right? He's under contract for at least two more years. And you're yeah. telling me you don't want to be here. That could be a problem. But at the end of the day, it's a business on both sides because if he wasn't under contract and he was someone who you felt wasn't performing, you would cut him or trade him at the end of the day. so yeah, now, Look at John
0: Wall, look the, at John his Wall. now teammate. You know? Yeah, right,
1: because he was the guy with the Wizards. And then yep. Bill came, um, came along. Well, he's always a good player, but he's coming along now to be a star. And you say, well, John Wall's expendable. Let's get him out of here, him and his contract. So if you're if you're able to do that on one side, just because players are realizing that they're important as well, and making and making noise and saying, "Well, I want to be out of here," is, you kind of got to take that. You know, it, it sucks. From a, I, I understand, from an ownership standpoint or a, a employer standpoint, right? right? It sucks because you realize I don't have as much power as I thought I did. Yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is sound like that team who doesn't want to listen to what players think. And then next thing you know, when free agency comes up and you're a player that can really make some moves, you say, well, y'all didn't look out for James Harden. When well, he wanted to leave, well, you didn't do this. Nah, I'm good. I go to a team that's more player first. You know, I'll go somewhere that's going to look out for me. And you'll right. start seeing that. So I, I kind of see it both ways. I'm not mm-hmm. upset with it because, again, I put it from a standpoint of real-life standpoint. I know these guys are making millions upon millions of dollars, so sometimes that's hard for people to understand how they can make these decisions. But at the end of the day, when you, if you put it into your real life you would do the same thing if you're not happy with your employer you're looking for a new job that's just that on that
0: yeah and i think that that's a very real thing it's that mil- millions of dollars you know i mean i th- it's always been it's always been said that money doesn't fix everything out i'd <laughs> like to find out but <laughs> i'd like to find out but in reality you know people they say you know people that make millions of dollars you know it is as simple as they don't like their job uh, anymore or where the the company they're working at maybe they they still love their job but they don't love the the position the company is at and you know I did agree with Bill Simmons that Harden should it's one of those situations where Harden should have a little bit more accountability because he was pretty much perfectly tailored to his time in Houston Mm-hmm. but however i think he still has the right to move on because when we talk when we talk sports jeff you know you and i will will always or at least not always but we we'll fir- the first conversations will be about the legacy of players not really organizations mm. yeah. so ultimately that's why i never you know i never bash the players that that move around because because they're the ones at the end of the day that you know, Allen Iverson to this day still hears that he doesn't got a ring. You know, John Stockton, uh, Carl Malone, like, these are names that, you know, Patrick Ewing, these are names that are synonymous with, they're great, but, and, you know, and and of course that's not factoring in. They they played against Michael Jordan, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, (laughs) there's certain things that, you know, it's a bigger discussion, but ultimately it always starts with, what's wrong with the player why didn't the player get it done not the organization itself it kind of then evolves into that as you get deeper and more nuanced in the conversation but as you know a lot of people don't like to have the nuanced conversation so yeah for me i feel like i'm always on the side of players just because i know at the end of the day they're the ones that the media is going to judge they're the ones that that the media is going to try to control the narrative yeah um one one more thing I wanted you I wanted you to get your take on because it was it was really interesting when Bill Simmons said it to me and I don't know where I feel about it but he talked about you know how the league is generally becoming and and this is from a fan perspective yeah. more player friendly than team friendly meaning like play or fans are more likely to. Have allegiance to a player rather than a, rather than a team and so he yeah. said that's what makes this moving around dangerous is that is that if you don't have a top 10 guy or a top 25 guy that everybody in the league loves or enough people in the league love then you're just not gonna sell tickets and all that where do where do you stand on on, on that part of it because I think that is a very real trend and I think that that could be an actual negative downside of the of the players constantly moving is that you're not going to is that if you don't if you don't have one of those players you're not going to you're not going to eventually be able to sell many tickets and if yeah. that's the case you know then you then you got owners that are going to be desperate and make trades for then you're going to have a, a charlotte hornet signing gordon hayward right to Ooh. just to just to you know Ooh. just because they they, <laughs> they need a they need a body right they need somebody to sell so yeah i mean where where do you stand on that
1: that's that's another one of those things to me that's so many layers to it because okay, I agree. Um it is a individual, it's a star driven lead. Right. But but to me I don't I don't remember an NBA that wasn't. Even yeah. during even during Jordan's run, right? The Bulls it was, you know, Jordan and the Bulls. You know, you knew who Scottie Pippen was, you knew who Dennis Rodman was, but you knew the personalities of a Dennis Rodman. You knew right. Jordan because he was bigger than life, right? Um, you know, I wasn't. I mean, I was alive, but I wasn't. You know, remembering basketball during the Showtime Lakers. You know, so it was magic. It was Showtime. You know, right? The league has always been star-driven. I agree. What What happened is, and I'm going to say this may have been Big Three Boston, but mostly Heatles, LeBron, Bosh, and Wade. Players realized, wait, we're the we're the reason these people are coming. We want to make the decisions for ourselves, and now is skewing a little too much that way, and that's that's the problem that's happening. You know, even LeBron said this himself one time, and I thought this mm-hmm. was kind of, you know, one of those quotes he made that kind of went under the rug, but he's like, there's too many teams. There's not enough talent to go around for, for this many teams, right? So right. you will have a team like, uh, I don't know, Orlando's okay, but maybe <laughs> someone like right. Orlando... And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you know, teams that are, you know, bottom feedings teams that are barely making a pay- playoffs or trying to make the playoffs, and they kind of stay there because their front office doesn't do well, or they don't draft well, things of that nature. Or the Knicks, the Knicks, Somewhere about like the yeah. Knicks. They just don't they don't handle this league stuff well at all. So it hurts them because the Knicks have a fan base. They have a they're gonna sell out regardless in the garden. They have a fan base. However, if Milwaukee doesn't have Giannis. You're not going to those Milwaukee games on a Tuesday to see Milwaukee versus um, the Knicks. There's no one going to that game. Like right. it's good. like I remember living in Detroit, and our you know the, the Pistons would play someone on. The, I would go to the Pistons games throughout the week to see Carmelo and see Kobe and all those things because no one was there, and I'm getting close to. Uh, floor side seats for like 50 bucks because no one's there on a Tuesday night
0: you know what I mean
1: so it's true it it becomes a point where people aren't fans of the team they're more fans of the player and that hurts the overhead of the team but it also like we said the world has changed and it makes you adapt Mm -hmm. to a more of a the ownership and leadership of the team has to adapt to that because, uh, you know, not to compare to the NFL, because the NFL is a completely different monster as far as, like, how they market teams and players. They don't have helmets on. So you get to see these guys. You know yeah. who they are. You can walk past some NFL – you're not a real big sports person. You can walk past some NFL players and not know, oh, that's the tight end for the Raiders or that's the tight end for the, for the Panthers. You wouldn't know. You yeah. literally would not know. He's just a big dude with muscles. You're like, I guess must be an MMA guy or something.
0: You know what I mean? Like yeah, you wouldn't yeah. know. <laughs> so, somebody you, you just walking on the other side of the street from, that's all.
1: Exactly. But when you see an NBA player, wait, that's you know, you know, that's Gordon Haywood. You know what I mean? Right. I I've seen his face. So that leads to, you know, you get shoes, you get, you know, the signature deals, commercials, the NBA is star driven. That's something that the upper management has to understand and adapt to. And build players up like a Spencer Dinwiddie, people like that, and learn how to make stars and market them better. It becomes a whole overhaul of how the system is done. It's just something we have to, we all have to change with. That's all.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Times are changing, yeah. and. And Westbrook is a, is a perfect example of time-changing because this, <laughs> this man has gotten, you know, he looked at two years ago, you looked at, okay, this guy's an OKC lifer. Yeah. Whatever happens, he's he's rolling with the punches. He's loyal yeah. to this team. And now he's on his third team. Yeah. And, and he got traded from, of course, the Houston Rockets to the Washington Wizards uh, for John Wall and a protected first-round pick down the line. Yeah. Uh the Westbrook trade now you you talked about Westbrook being one of your favorite players. Now, I know Westbrook is a very con- uh how do I say controversial player yeah. to a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people have very strong opinions on him, so yeah. I want to I want to get this out the way since okay. you since I could tell you're a Westbrook fan. Yeah. I am actually a Westbrook guy. Okay. I I understand his deficiencies. I understand his his flaws. Yep. But I think for the most part i love to have a guy that competes like him on my team. You know, uh, I I think that I think that he he definitely raises he definitely raises floors. He might not give you the ceiling you want, but he always but he pretty much always raises your floor Mm. because of the the level of talent that he is. Yeah. So. So for me, I just want to get that out there because I know some people are I've heard the most anti Westbrook people and I've heard and I've heard the most die for Westbrook. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's pretty clear. I, I like to clearly state where I'm at with Westbrook, but <laughs> I think I think this is a this is a great trade for Washington, right? Like, I mean, you're getting a, a you're getting a guy who you know he has his health concerns and maybe he doesn't age the best, um, and and maybe he has his, you know, you're not you're not winning a championship, but you're but you're becoming a better team. Yeah. I think you have a much better shot at the playoffs now than you did. You got you got the better player in a trade because you know John wall might be good and I hope he's I hope he's good but the dude tore his ACL and his Achilles back to back and yeah. there was some type of reports that maybe not everybody was fully happy with the way he was rehabbing. now I'm not gonna say anything because <laughs> I never I never seen this man work out I seen the 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 videos that everybody saw the little clips on on Twitter and stuff <laughs> and Instagram but yeah. But you know that's never gonna tell you the full story of of a player's rehab process. No. So when he's playing, you know, a halfway decent pickup ball in a in a gym in an empty gym. Yeah. So I I think a guy that relies on athleticism like John Wall, like Russell Westbrook, like Derrick Rose, they're all the same type of player. Yeah. And if any one of those players, you know, went through a torn ACL and a torn Achilles. That would be alarming to me you know yeah. this isn't a this isn't a jose calderon guy who relies on just moving the ball around and blah blah and can spot up and shoot this is right. john wall is a guy who's predicated on driving to the basket drawing defenses in and then making the kick to the shooter or making some unbelievable like power finish or crafty layup finish so yeah um so i think that this is a this is a this is a home run for washington like they just got a better player and you know they gave up a pick but it's a protected pick and it's one that um that I think buys you I think it's one that you know it really doesn't hurt you unless things just go absolutely terribly wrong which Mm -hmm. there's always a chance but right now you have Westbrook right now you have Beal right now you have um you have Bertans you have a a a semi-decent team around you so it's it it doesn't seem like it's going to be a pick that it might be a middle of the draft pick, and you know that that for a player that you're trading that could be arguably the worst contract in the league for a arguably. guy who's not the greatest contract in the league, but a, yeah. but a proven player who was on All NBA literally last year. So yeah. I, I think it's a I think it's just a home run for uh, for for Washington, and it says more about what Houston was able to do than what Washington was able to do in my eyes. How do you feel about it?
1: Okay, so I do believe on paper Washington won this trade, and only because you don't know, um, you don't know what John Wall is going to look like. You really don't. Right. Like you said, coming off those two big injuries, you don't know how he's going to perform. You know what he looked like before that, but you don't know what it's going to show like now. So I agree with that one hundred and ten percent. With Westbrook, you get a guy who's going to go. He, he has one speed. Yeah. In practice, <laughs> even in practice, he has one speed. So you know that. So that alone, to me, like you said, the, sit, the, the floor. He bra- he raises the floor because now there's an intensity to your team that you have to have at all times. Right? Mm-hmm. And he made a statement before he left Houston that, that, that kind of spoke volumes to me. It said a lot about – he was talking about accountability and everybody not being held accountable at one time. You know, I think Russ Russ is one of those guys who needs to be held accountable. He, you know, again, yeah. you know, your you're, you're listeners may not know this. I'm a Westbrook fan. Westbrook fan. Also, my favorite player of all time was Allen Iverson. You see, you see where I'm going with this. I, I okay, like the same yeah. type of player. So, <laughs> so, but I know with, with liking those type of players, they have to be held accountable because they they get so wrapped up in what makes them great. They'll do it that same way every night, and sometimes you have to you know have to change a little bit. You know, take not shoot the ball twenty times a game Russ. not shoot that yeah. mid range jumper, get to the rack or pass. That's what you need to do. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so it, it becomes that thing. So if Scott, Scott Brooks, although I'm afraid of putting Westbrook back, Scott Brooks for a lot of reasons. Um, we can I can talk about that for a whole other podcast, but that scares me a little bit, right? Um, right. With that, I I still believe Washington wins this trade. And I like the fact that they got Russ at this point in his career because he he last year got to before the injury, before the bubble, and before COVID because he actually caught COVID right when the bubble started. So, really? you know, that first couple of games in the bubble, he missed. When he played, he got hurt. And then, you know, at the playoffs started he was hurt a little bit. Before then, Russ was playing a different type of way. He started relying on a jumper when his legs weren't there. Um, in during the Lakers series, people say, "Oh, LeBron blocked him, but he didn't play well." Yeah, because he was relying on his jump shot. He wasn't relying on his athleticism because his legs weren't there. But yeah. I think Russell found out that he can play another way in Houston, and that works with Brad Beal because he can get Brad Beal the space. He can get the, the rookie kid that just drafted, uh, Danny, get him, in, you know, get him acclimated to the NBA game because he's going to need some time. And like you said, batons, things like that. Like they have a team that can give him the space he needs to operate and then not down
0: shots. That works for him. Yeah. I I agree with that and one thing I want to I want to get in because I think it's the same same point that you're going to make is that with Westbrook um you know also another thing of is he was able to for the first time in how long he was able to play with proper spacing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and that and that's the situation that he's coming into in Washington. Washington has a lot of shooters. They have uh, you know, even Thomas Bryant is a, is a stretch big. You got Bertans, who's a stretch big. You yeah. know, you got you got Beal, who's of course a, a lethal lethal shooter. So lethal. Westbrook is gonna have um, Westbrook was playing differently during that regular season when he was going absolutely nuts, and that was because of not only because he was he was changing his his, his mentality, but he was also really just in a situation that fit him more and i think that he's going to another situation that was houston uh, that like houston fits him more than than yeah. okc so i think that that's i think that that's a great point to bring up in in the westbrook trade and why there is room to be optimistic while also you know looking at this like does this make you a championship contender does this make you one piece away probably probably not but um but again it's it's a it's a move that you make because you got a better player, straight yeah. up. you got a better player.
1: And I think general managers and ownership needs to be commended for at least trying. Because there are yeah. some teams who just say, man, we're going to tank and get this player and get that player. But you're mm-hmm. trying to make Brad Bill happy, who's, approaching, yeah. who's approached his prime and his game is developed. And he, you know, you want him to stay, and he wants to stay, but you gotta give him a reason to stay. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like you, we talked about this player empowerment. It goes back to that. Like you gotta give guys a reason to stay with your team. Just expecting them to stay with your team because you drafted them isn't enough. It yeah. just—it's not enough in twenty twenty going for. It's not. It's—it's
0: it's, it's not. I mean, it's you're seeing it with Phoenix, right? With them yeah. trading for Chris Paul, Devin Booker wanted that, so. Yeah. For, for them it's like it's like okay well let me appease my star by getting a getting a halfway a uh, uh, a really good player let's get a really good player and also this happens to make our our best player happy bet say less let's do it yeah. and another another reason washington does deserve credit too is uh john wall did a lot for that city like off the court yeah. and so he was very well revered and i don't know because i'm not from washington but From Conversation with people I've had that are from that area and just people listening to people who are plugged into people from that area He was very very beloved there and he was he was kind of their guy So it wasn't necessarily the easiest trade even though we look at it on paper, right? And we look at okay Westbrook Westbrook better than John Wall Let's do the trade, but in reality there was that difficulty of of trading a guy that that meant a lot to a city and was he was kinda of the guy that held it down when everything was going mad, when Gilbert Arenas had guns in the locker room and all that stuff, like the Wizards fans went through that and then they had this guy, John Wall, who they got and they thought, Wow, this is it. Like this is our guy. This is the guy who's gonna lead us back to the promised land, mm-hmm. blah blah and he had his great moments there. Things went things went wrong of course due to injury and stuff, but but in reality, you know, he gave them some of their best moments of the last decade. So yeah. Uh, so it's not an easy it's not easy for Washington to make that trade from that aspect as well but yeah. I feel like we've talked a lot about Washington because we both like the Washington side of it Yeah. for Houston my fear is that okay you just got a worser contract and a halfway decent pick and you're, I I guess what they're trying to sell Harden is we got the picks from the Covington trade we got the pick from this trade we got John Wall who can be a star and then we use those three pick, or we use those three first, and get us our third star to pair around Harden or whatever. I, I I'm assuming that that's the what management is pitching to Harden. Well, also just acquiring picks, be, picks because sneakily they know that Harden's probably out the door anyways, and you need to get this rebuild started. I mean, was. <laughs> was this really what it comes down to is this the best trade for Houston cuz now they got a bad contract and they got a not so great pick for a guy who was on all NBA i just i i've heard that there wasn't a market for Westbrook in in, in this offseason but still i just i imagine that Houston's got to be got to be very upset considering all they traded to get him right. and then they and then they trade and they get so little in in return i mean i uh, assuming uh, assuming you know that John Wall isn't the John Wall that we think if John wall is the John wall that that we knew from two three years ago, then I think this trade is a lot more easy to digest, but if Absolutely. not it's gonna be it's looked at as you know as a ten or twenty five cent trade on the dollar yeah
1: so all right that's 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 true it's the big what if game they're playing, so I think they kind of they they did enough to cover themselves in both aspects, hard leaves. Mm-hmm. You got the, like you said, the protected pick. You got the pick from the Covington trade. And you get whatever you get back from Harden. And you have a piece in John Wall, right? So, whatever is there with John Wall, you have something that can make this work. So, you have at least a player that at 80%, John Wall is still better than, I would say, 60% of the starting point guards in the league. I would take him yeah. before I take them. At 80%, 80% John Wall is better than everyone else. So, you have yeah, that probably. piece. Right, so you have that piece, and then you have the draft picks to kind of hold you over, and you have a player that fans enjoy to watch play. So you're not completely bottoming out, but you're not mm-hmm. good enough to where you don't get the lottery, the lottery chances in case it doesn't pan out. Because I think, and then if you keep Harden, you have someone there that he would like to play with, and then you know you, you kind of you're able to appease both sides of the coin. But I think to me, if I'm Houston. I'm getting what I can get from Harden and, and Star over because it's obvious that that him as one as a number one isn't going to win a championship. That's the sad part. We see that we that one year they had when Chris Paul was hurt and they lost that game seven to Golden State. That was their chance. They haven't yeah. been close since then. They wasn't close before then. That was the year that they had and they blew it. You know, <laughs> and this is be honest. And they didn't. You yeah. know, injuries happen. I get it, but you know, sometimes you have to be really crucial and really truthful, I should say, about your championship window with a player. Harding as a harden as a one, I don't think he's gonna be your championship player. Harden as a two, now you're talking. Harding as a yeah. three, you're really talking. You know, <laughs> right, right. You know, you're really talking, you get Harding as your third best or your third option, I should say. So that's why I think moving him to a team like Philly and getting what you can get from them, minus maybe a Ben Simmons, but hopefully you can. But you know, if you can't, you get what you can get Mulligan this year because a lot of teams are going to Mulligan this year because it's a short season. It's going to be uh, a very fast-paced season. Um, you're going to see a lot of teams. You know, you're going to see teams that weren't really thought about to be focal points, like you know, ascend because of the season and how it plays out. So you have a chance to bottom out, no one cares, and then come back this off this upcoming off season and really make some moves and really figure out what your roster looks like over off
0: season. Yeah, and you know, you said you said a lot of interesting things, but the one thing about Harden that I want to um, make clear is that you know I I kind of I disagree with you a little bit in the okay. sense that I agree I agree realistically and objectively I agree that the Houston championship window was that that moment in time, yeah. and I think that that is passed, and I think that it's very it, it's going to be very tough to get back to it, but. I just come back to when you got a top five player in the league, and he is he he's probably towards the the, the latter of his prime, but he's still in in his prime. You just you don't you don't trade that because I mean the 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 percentage chance that any pick if you get five picks back in a James Harden trade, which would which would honestly be somewhat um, I think. Would be fair considering true holiday got like five picks. I think, I okay. think Harden is worth five picks if holiday is worth five picks. But, uh, but my point is that even with those five picks, you still have like a a two percent chance, a three percent chance of getting a guy that that's good. Okay, so I think you, I think you ride it out until, until you ultimately are left with your, your foot hanging. Now, if you can get a Ben Simmons or a guy like that back that you can. You get that blue chip player that okay I can start like this is a this is a very nice starting point this guy is under contract for five years and he's uh, and he just made all NBA oh and he's 24 25 years old so like yeah you know he's he's young he's this is a perfect player to get for James Harden this yeah. basically just resets the timeline and allows me to kind of buy it by the organization a couple years to build around him before you know maybe he gets unhappy and demands a trade but okay. my thing my my thing is just when you have a player as good as Harden Anthony Davis LeBron you just you try to stick it out until the absolute bitter end because those players those level of players you just don't get every so often there's a if Giannis leaves look that holiday trade is going to look at as, like, oof, that's going to look, be looked at as, like, what happened with the Brooklyn Nets when they traded for KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, or not Ray Allen, but KG and Paul Pierce and Jason Terry and all them. Yeah, that was a bad move. Yeah, yeah. It, it was only bad because it, because well, it, that's a different scenario because they're <laughs> trading for old, old players, yeah. you know, but but it's only bad because it didn't work. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Like, it, that, that's kind of the way I look at these, at, at these trades. Is like, you know, yeah, Milwaukee, Milwaukee might be screwing their future, but how else is Milwaukee getting Giannis? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think you gotta, you gotta exact every bit of, every bit of resource and you gotta, you gotta play the risk game and you gotta risk your future to, in order to make your star happy for the current and, you know, sometimes it comes back to bite you, and that's the nature of the business. But that's in true. reality, when you got a player that good, you just—I think—you have to make it work. And I think that's why Houston still wants to make this work because, you know, what's the chances that any of those draft picks that they get for a James Harden trade is even, you know, is even a top fifteen player, let alone a, a top five player in the league, in a in a in a MVP in a three-time runner-up MVP or something like that
1: okay, I, I see that and I, and I totally understand that point but then you look at someone like what OKC does right, and to me, yeah, they haven't won a championship so there's that argument so there's the argument where that hasn't turned into championships so before I, I'll mm-hmm. make that point already but right. you can't go wrong with assets player development, I think the NBA that's one thing I do believe the NBA is starting to emphasize a little bit more with the G League yeah. and things like that is that they have to develop players better because players are watching out in one to two years not being you know given the time to become the players they could be because teams are giving up on it. and that's not great yeah. that's not good for the long-term value of the league because you need a guy a six-man type of guy that the people can that the fans can relate to like a tony Ku coach or you know we, we yeah. remember Jeff hornacex and players like that growing up we remember those type of nick anderson dennis scott those type of players are being forgot about as it, as the league grows, now it's just the stars, and no one cares about the PJ Tuckers and all those guys in the league. But, but
0: you... the fans of those teams do the te- the people that lived in that time they they do. You know, I I definitely think that there's I have admiration for a lot of a, a lot of role players. Like I'm, I was very happy what KCP did in LA, but okay. but again, you know what I mean. Like those are, but we're but I'll acknowledge that that's few and far between. You know, so Great. I didn't want to. I didn't want to fully interrupt your point, but uh, I just yeah. wanted to. Yeah, I just wanted to make it clear that you know there is. I think there is some sort of with the the people that are fans of teams. They love those. They love that. They love that tenth guy on the team. They love him more than the rest of the league loves him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's the that's thing. Their, that's their guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that value has to be proper for those guys. Then, right. can, can, you, can you think of a trade like the Anthony Davis trade? I, I know the Lakers won a championship, right? I get it. Mm-hmm. To me, New Orleans won that trade. The Lakers got what they wanted, but the 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 Pelicans got a star to put next to Zion and Brandon Ingram. He's going to be a star, like, like yep. I, I, you know what I mean. That's that's given. If Lonzo Ball can turn this into anything serviceable, you got it. Plus those picks, you know what I mean. Like and then the picks yeah. you got back for Drew Holiday, like they are doing this the right way. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So. You have, you have to be hesitant to keep a disgruntled player around only because it affects everything. Because it affects That's the players right. around that you don't that you want to keep there, and you want to make them happy as well. You you will hope professionalism um, overrides everything, but let's be honest, it does it all the time. So right. <laughs> so with that being said, you can't. I agree with what you. Mean like you want to keep a top five, top seven player happy in the league. You want to do that, but. You also want to be able to evaluate and say, well, I got this top five, top seven guy who may not want to be here, but if I can get for him, get two unknowns and a proven swing man, I might take that. Simply yeah. because I can, I, with the two unknowns, if I, what's if I, the point I was making about develop, if I can develop them right, I can then maybe not have a top five, but I can have two top 20s. And now I'm cooking. You know what I mean? i got down cooking with the two top 20s and a, and a team and an aspect around him. I got the Brooklyn Nets from two years ago with D'Angelo Russell and those guys and then with even those guys. So, I don't know. It, it kind of depends on what type of front office you have.
0: Yeah, that, that's very true. That's a, that's a, that's a great counter to, to my discussion is that, you know, there are the situations where you're able to maximize your, your leverage of what you have and you're able to, to create the best – able to maximize each and every asset you get and I think that that's the the key to any trade right is whatever whether you're getting the star or you're getting the or you're getting the rebuilding package in a trade either way you want to maximize that asset you want to maximize the star that you just traded everything for or you want to maximize the each and every pick that you got back whether it be a 15th pick a 25th pick a a second round pick, or or a player that's on a two way contract, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, listen, Piston fans know it better than anybody. We threw in Chris Middleton in a trade. We Ooh. threw that man in, and look at look at what he is, yeah. you know. So I I think that you know maximizing each asset you have in a trade is is very important. And 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 you're right, it does. I didn't want it to seem like a, I was saying that it never works out. Oh I no, just no, no, no. Am other, yeah, I just a mother mindset that you know when it comes to it a player that talented, you, you got to try to ride it out as long as you can, but you're absolutely right. There's, there's definitely breaking points for each. Um, there's definitely breaking points in moments where you, you kind of see it as untenable and unable to come back from. And I think that's kind of where we're at with, with Houston, but we let's jump to the lower East playoff race now, because we started talking about Westbrook and then we went back. Then we kind of had like a part two of the Harden thing when we are breaking <laughs> down the Houston side. So Let's get back to the team we were just talking about, the, the Washington Wizards. Um, you know, looking at the lo- Lower East playoff race, so last year, for those of you that it, it wasn't that long ago, but it, it <laughs> felt like it was in the same sense and what was a crazy season. Yeah. Last year, six, seven, and eight seeds were Philly, Brooklyn, and Orlando. And missing yeah. the playoffs were Washington, Atlanta, um, Charlotte and you know I guess we can highlight the other teams the Knicks the Pistons and the Cavs which I don't think anybody's expecting them to compete for playoffs this year but right. looking at that last year there's really only one open spot because that was that Brooklyn Nets team finished the season without Kyrie yeah and obviously didn't have KD. yeah Philly you think it's gonna be it's gonna be better they just shuffled their front office and their roster you think that the, I would imagine that I would imagine that they're better because last season it just as the season went on they looked worse and worse so i i think they'll be better yeah miami made the finals right uh toronto they lost some key pieces but toronto is a team that's always been always been deep but they're slowly losing their depth e- each year at uh, the last two off seasons but yeah. but they are uh they are, they do have enough talent i think to warrant uh to Warren almost locking them in for the playoffs and Milwaukee's Milwaukee assuming that Giannis is still there Boston they're still they're still a lock for a playoff spot yeah so the only teams I really I Orlando's the obvious team of like okay that's gonna be the that's the most up for grab playoff spot but uh, maybe you can make a case for Indiana. I don't know. They didn't necessarily hurt themselves, but they didn't really get that much better either. Well the East did get overall better. Yeah. And I like where the East is at, you know, like Atlanta and Atlanta and Washington, if either of those are an A seed, they're not the best A C but they're 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 a fun A seed. I mean sure. where, where are you at in the lower East playoff race? Who are you looking at in, in the playoffs from last year that you think could potentially slide out? And who are you sliding in, or do you think it's, we're going to see the same eight as we saw last year?
1: I don't think I don't think we'll see the same eight. I think uh, I agree. The, the 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 Pacers' position is up for grabs. I do believe Orlando's position is up for grabs, and I and I think there's one more that's going to shock people: either Miami or or like one of those top tier teams is going to underperform this year. Strictly because of the turnaround and because of how this season is gonna play out. Someone's gonna yes, finish sir, yeah, you know, someone's gonna finish either lower than we thought or you know, something like that. But to kind of stick on point, I, I will say, yeah, the Pacers position is up for grabs and the heat. Now who I think can slide there, obviously Washington um is my first pick only because um, you know, with them making that move, they pretty much you gotta make the playoffs making that trade. That, that's that's the thing. Yeah. And I agree, it's it's Atlanta like with this pace of the season like if you i don't know if you had a chance to look at the season look at the schedule for the season they're playing a lot of every other night type of games you know what i mean and right. when you think about stuff like that with a young team that that works for them with those young legs and being able to rush through this season and win those games on a wednesday or a thursday when some teams may you know may take a what do you call it a a player night off or something like that. I forgot what you call right, it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So you you can get, you can build up some wins there when 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 people aren't paying attention. So I do think Atlanta is 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 form formidable enough, and it's the team. If I had the the team that I follow the most, you know, obviously is the Atlanta Hawks because growing up in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, that was the team that was on TV all the time, right? So I do follow right. them a lot more than anybody else. So I would say the Hawks and the Wizards. Are the two teams that I think step in and and remove the magic and the paces from the playoffs?
0: Yeah, the only reason I'm not so quick to remove Indiana is because I almost feel like people are people are looking at the Indiana a little bit differently than I am just because just because last year they played very well without Victor Oladipo yep. and then when Victor Oladipo got back they actually didn't play well but that was because Victor Oladipo just looked like. He looked like he just he just wasn't ready yet, and that's yeah. no and that's no knock on him. I mean, it was a it was a very serious injury, and I think it's one of those injuries that that takes you know that takes a year of rehab plus six months of playing, and then you and then you get back to what you mm. are. I don't think it's one of those injuries that you that you take a year off or take a year and a half off, yeah, and you come back and you're eighty 90 percent of what you are. I think it's one of those ones that you you come back fifty percent sixty percent, and you just slowly build your way up. Now, granted, he wasn't building his way up, but I do think that even though it was a shortened off season, I think that him playing helped the timeline speed up of him becoming better. So I almost look at it as they kind of did make some sort of acquisition last year, in, in, a, in a sense, or coming into this year, because they really didn't have Victor Oladipo like that last year. I got you. I got you. So that's kind of where I'm looking at with Indiana, why I'll say they're safe, um, and, but I do agree. That they are uh, outside of Orlando, they are the most likely team to, I think, fall out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting you say Miami because I can also see I can also see that as well. Despite them being a well-coached team with yeah. talent, I can I can see them being you know beat up from the yeah. from the fact that they were just in the finals a month and a half ago essentially. Yeah. So Washington and Atlanta right now, if I had to lean, I would lean Washington as well uh just because I do think there's only one playoff spot that that is for sure up for grabs in that Orlando Magic spot and I would give it to Washington over Atlanta just because of like you said, you know, Westbrook and Beal. Yeah. That's a that's a great combination. They have some nice pieces around it. Yeah. Atlanta might have better players 5 through 8, but uh but Washington has the better 1 and 2. And I think that this season when you talked about the condensed game how it benefits Atlanta. Yeah. I think it also benefits Washington because I think it's going to benefit the teams that are elite at what they do. Like I expect Washington to be an elite offense. Okay. I I think they're going to be. I think they're going to. They were great last year with just Bradley Beal at the helm. Now you add Russell Westbrook. I think at the very least you're going to be a very very good offensive team, and I think that you're just going to come in. This Washington team is going to come into games with with a high level of pace and shooting, and they're just going to make their first six of eight threes and a team's just gonna go fuck this you know we're playing again we're playing again in two days like let's this is not our night and roll over and I think they're gonna get a lot of wins we saw that with Milwaukee we saw that with um with Houston a couple years ago with Chris Paul uh those teams there are certain teams that just do well in the regular season and those teams tend to be teams that are either elite at offense or elite at defense now it's tougher for the elite defenses to win uh to win through the regular season but those are teams that actually do better in the playoffs but for the regular season purpose it's the it's usually the teams that play so good on offense but aren't aren't great at all on defense that actually skate by because they just play at a high pace they they hit a couple shots and it just kills your momentum and yeah. teams are like well all right this was this was not our night we'll get them next we'll get them next time and and move on so that's why I would probably look at Washington for that spot for sure
1: I agree I agree if it's just one I would go I would go Wizards um just just the one um two and I I, I know it's not a popular thing to say but I think there's a I think there's a top tier team one of those Philly Milwaukee Boston uh Brooklyn or Miami one of those teams like that gonna, is gonna it's gonna definitely surprise people in a bad way this year because yeah. of how this season is going to be played out and, and you're going to look up and there's a team, you know, because I, I know we're both saying Orlando's position is up for grabs, but Orlando can sneak up on you, man. They got some players. Oh, yeah, They got boosts. I, I, I very folks. much include yeah. them.
0: I very much include them in the conversation of playoffs. I'm not excluding them. Right. I just have, I'm just leaning towards Washington over them, but true, I, true. I definitely think they, they, they can. And I agree with your point about somebody is going to do something. I agree. So one of those teams is going to underperform. Now, I don't know if that necessarily means miss the playoffs. Like, like, think about it this way. So last year, a lot of people picked Philly to win the title. Um, Zach Lowe, there was a lot of people Me? that, you know, are very well respected. Okay, I didn't know you, you did as well. So, okay, great. So this works for, this works for the point. Um, and they finished sixth. So I could see something like that happening yeah. with like Brooklyn maybe Katie and Kyrie aren't healthy or they or they, they have to rest some games and it takes them a while to get rhythm they also have a new coach it's a lot of adjustment maybe they finish 6th or 7th maybe they finish kind of underwhelming. but I I don't I see I see what you're saying and that some team is going to underperform maybe Miami finishes uh, they could finish second in the East, or they could finish seventh. I I really don't know where where they could go. Okay. They could benefit from the continuity, or they could be worn out from last season yeah. and fall and fall to seven. But I I just I see at the end of the day, I don't see those teams falling out of the playoffs, gotcha. right? So like I don't know if you're saying, are you saying that you see that when you say that they'll fall, are you meaning something like what I'm saying, and that they could be. They could be instead of we're looking at as a two seed. They could end up being a seven seed. Or are you saying that it's a team that uh, could miss the playoffs in that group of in that group of seven that we mentioned or six? Besides, if we're not counting Indiana and Orlando. In
1: that group of six, I can see like a like a Milwaukee who was the number one seed and Toronto um, falling to a like I can see Toronto being a seven seed. I really can. I really can. Mm -hmm. And I could also to kind of, you know, double down, I can see Miami or Toronto not making the playoffs. I really can okay. I really can like I can see a. I can see a scenario to where we look up, it's the last week, two weeks of the season and there's a fight for that seven to eight spot, Washington, Atlanta, Toronto and uh Orlando. Something like that. I can see that being a thing. I really can.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I I, I... I'll put it to you this way: I definitely believe that something's gonna happen. One of those six teams are gonna underperform. I don't know if I'm ready to say jeopardize, miss the playoffs, underperform. Okay. But I, but I definitely think that there's, uh, there's a chance that one of those teams is gonna be. We're gonna look at them and we're gonna go, oof, you know, this, this, this was not a, this was not a good season for them. But it's gonna be interesting, man. I think the East is honestly, I think. I think the East is better than it than it's ever than it's ever been, or not maybe not ever, but at least in in recent memory. Yeah. I think you got look at the end of the day, you got okay. I'm biased because I'm gonna throw the Pistons into it, but you got like 11 teams that I'm gonna watch. Yeah, in the East, you got 11 teams that I'm interested in, um, and that's more than that's more than normal. Yeah, and you know you could the average person might narrow it down from 11 or 12 to 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 10 or nine just because, you know, they're not including the Pistons, but <laughs> I'm obviously going to be watching the Pistons. But yeah. outside of that, man, I think Washington's interesting. I think Atlanta's interesting. I liked the moves that they made this offseason. Charlotte, I'm going to be interested just to see what the hell happens there. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Orlando's always a good team to watch. So, yeah, I think I think the East is going to be relatively fun. I think there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of fun matchups for them I agree. this
1: year. I agree 100%. 100%.
0: All right, Jeff. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. It was long overdue. Yes, sir. Um, I'm glad you made your debut and you're definitely going to be back on it. I wish you all the best in our fantasy draft, which <laughs> is uh, just over just over a week from now. Yeah, I got my notes.
1: I got my notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: It's going to be it's going to be a fun season, man. I'm, I'm really happy you're in the league. And uh, and I look forward to having you back on the podcast and us being able to. Tr- talk trash to each other about our about how our seasons are going. Sounds
1: good. Man. Appreciate it.
0: All right, man.